0: Welcome to the American Association for Respiratory Care 2020 Corporate Partner Podcast. My name is Timothy Myers and will serve as your host for this podcast series. Since 1947, the ARC has been leading the effort to advance the respiratory care profession and promote high-quality, cost-effective, patient-centric respiratory care. The combined efforts between the respiratory care profession and industry in pursuing unique and innovative ways to improve both the quality and outcomes of our patients make us natural partners in today's healthcare continuum. Today's podcast will highlight Monaghan Medical, a 2020 Platinum Level Corporate Partner. Joining me today is Bill Seitz, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Monaghan Medical. Bill, welcome to today's 2020 Corporate Partner Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Tim. It's good to be here. So,
0: Bill, let's start off a little bit uh, and tell us a little bit about Monaghan's mission and philosophy and how it revolves around its respiratory care division and its products.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, Again, I appreciate the invite to share a little bit more about Monaghan Medical. I joined the company about seven years ago. I was here at one point uh, for another stint and uh, actually went to uh, another one of your uh, companies uh, in respiratory and came back seven years ago. The company actually was founded in 1981. Up in Plattsburgh, New York, which is upstate New York, uh, almost all the way to uh, Montreal, Canada. And uh, it's really exciting right now. We have. Um a 65,000 square foot facility that we opened up in November. So we were in the same building for that entire time uh, since we were founded to just this month. And uh, just we're real proud to open up this 65,000 square foot facility from the ground up. So we built the facility and uh, I was at the groundbreaking about a year ago. And so we're quite proud of that. Uh, this uh, facility at Monahan will house our, all of our warehousing, production, administration, support functions, c- customer service. Um, all those basic functions of our business. So um, we uh, we couldn't be happier. The company is probably most well known for our flagship product, the Aero Chamber, valve holding chamber, which was uh, invented to ins- assist with MDI delivery for asthmatics mainly. And uh, that's how most people know us. And um, as far as our mission, it's... Uh, it's really to provide the finest, most researched, innovative aerosol drug delivery devices to help people breathe easier. And in uh, simplest terms, Tim, we just uh, go by uh, patient first mentality. And everything revolves around patients first, and everything else falls into place after that.
0: I, I think you've given us a little bit of insight about your company and, and its background. Let's let's talk a little bit about its culture and your employees, because you know I know you were one of the first uh, uh, companies out there that really kind of started to employ respiratory therapists and and utilizing them as consultants and as educators and those things. So tell us a little bit about your your culture and those employees.
1: Um, yeah, we're super proud. It's probably what makes Monaghan most unique, and really why I'm so happy to be employed at Monahan. Our culture is unique uh, in that, what's unusual these days is most of our employees are here at least 15 years. Uh, tenured out in the field. Uh, we have many employees that are 25 years plus. Our Actually, one of our original employees is just now getting set to retire in March, who uh, runs our plant. So we have people at average 15 years up to 25, 30 years of employment here. Uh, so it's quite a stable culture and uh, kind of a neat family environment. This really goes back, Tim, to um, the culture that was set forth by our founder, uh, Dr. Mitch Barron, who I know you've met before many times at some of our uh, uh, events that we've had at the AARC meetings and BOMA receptions and so on. And um, he was a childhood asthmatic, and some people don't know that. So he was a severe asthmatic as a child. And um, really back then, especially, you know, back that many years ago, was very limiting to people and children, especially. And parents were always real nervous about your kids when they had an asthma or respiratory illness. So it was something that he was very, very passionate about his whole whole life. And the company really, um, the philosophy was one built around trust and respect and integrity, uh, innovation. And these values, even though uh, Mr. Barron passed away a few years ago, are really our core values that we hold to today. Uh, he also was a very uh, generous and uh, philanthropic person, uh, believed very strongly investing in communities and employees that we uh, that helped build the company. So that was really going back to what I said first about where we're located and the new facility. Uh, really why we selected to rebuild our facility and our new plant in Plattsburgh, New York. It's frankly not ideal, probably, to be in upstate New York in the very northeast of the country, uh, particularly in the next couple of months. But it was very important for us to reward the employees to help build the company. So uh, that's what we did.
0: You know, I love having these kind of conversations and and talking with reps and and, and VPs and others like yourself because you learn a little bit and, and and I did not know that about Mitch and it kind of really explains a lot not only about the product lines that you guys have focused on and 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 innovative and and move forward, uh, but it also talks a little bit I think about the culture and the people. Uh, as you just mentioned, that uh, I find it very interesting as I do these. And, and and maybe why I've been in respiratory myself for 30 plus years is that uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking to a bedside clinician, uh, an educator at a school, or or folks in industry like yourself, they always talk about quality, innovation, and putting patients first. And if you're in healthcare, I th- think you got to put patients first.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. Couldn't agree more. So you, you
0: talked about the, the founding product being the Aero Chamber and, and very familiar with it. And, you know, obviously it's been around for 40 years and, and a lot of enhancements since then. But tell us a little bit more about your respiratory products and, and, and potentially future developments uh, that you can at least speak about, because uh, you're more than a spacing or holding chamber now. You guys have really grown that portfolio and, and really looking at not only asthmatics is kind of where you got your start, but in other respiratory disease pathologies.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question, Tim. I'm glad you asked. We uh, obviously uh, have uh, expanded our product portfolio to uh, not only aerosol delivery devices, but airway devices and things that uh, are going to have a, a a solid impact on on patients. So some of the unique things about our company and kind of how we got there, as far as research and where the uh, you know where we may be headed, a lot of this is founded in not only these relationships we have uh, with customers out in the marketplace and finding out what gaps there are and what real needs there are and what areas for improvement really will help respiratory and help patients better? Well, a lot of this is, is um, driven by our global aerosol research center. So we have a, really a world-renowned laboratory up at our headquarters uh, in London, Ontario, that's recognized around the world for being innovative and having very reliable testing methods. In fact, um, many, many pharmaceutical companies, mostly international pharmaceutical companies in the world, uh, rely on our um, facility, our global aerosol research Research Center to test their new formulations. So we do a lot with all the major pharmaceutical companies around the world, sell to them as customers as well. And so that drives a lot of our research and kind of the direction we we, um, we take the company and product development. Um, we have about a, uh, hundreds of patents, I should say, hundreds of patents on products. Um, it's pretty neat when you go to our headquarters. We have a wall of uh, just an, of a patent wall of framed patents, an entire wall of hundreds and hundreds of patents. That's uh, pretty exciting to see. And uh, that's led to some of the innovative things that you, you I know, know about, Tim. Uh, things such as the breath-actuated nebulizer and, and, and you know where we thought that was important to reduce medication waste and reduce... Uh, staff exposure to aerosols that are delivered to the air environment. Um, that was a, you know, at the time was a really important help, I think, to a lot of clinicians that they welcomed. Um, and of course, we talked about Aero chamber. We're on. I've lost track, maybe our 10th or 12th iteration of that product line, everything from, uh, u- using MDI, uh, valve holding chambers to deliver to infants, to neonates, to trach patients, to ventilator patients. So all of those adaptations came from doing a lot of research and what was kind of lacking in the marketplace, uh, which was, uh, important. And, uh, again, uh, And you're very familiar with this as well Uh, when uh, we've taken advantage of some of the programs that you offer um, at the AARC meetings on an annual basis for the focus groups, for instance. And that's always been helpful to us to get some insight from customers, who these frontline people and what they're dealing with and uh, what's going to be most helpful to improve some of the products or, or look at new product areas we don't have currently to help them out. So um, all those things are, um, you know, uh, important for us to keep moving the industry forward, making better devices that are more efficient, more cost effective, and have the outcomes that, uh, you know, all of our products we want to have as the the number one or number two product in that industry uh, to really help patients.
0: Well, obviously you've really highlighted the the importance of, of technology and innovation and research and design in, in Monaghan, but I know through things like Peak Performance USA and your sponsorships at ARC Congress and other things with the ARC and, and, and other associations, you guys are very vested in education. And that's not only educating the clinicians, but educating patients. So talk a little bit about uh the things that you guys like to invest in and find beneficial from an education standpoint.
1: Yeah. Well, a couple of things going back to these, um, these focus groups that we've always participated in at the ARC, That's been super important for us to get what's missing. A lot of times it's opportunities for clinicians. They're so busy, and you think about what they're going through right now, the, uh, the opportunities to do training or how to get CEUs in light of the fact that nobody can go attend meetings right now. All these educational things we've tried to look at, and a lot of that's driven by our own staff. We have roughly 50% of our folks that we have at Monaghan are former respiratory therapists. As They would say they want to be called current respiratory therapists that are doing something else because that's their first love a lot of times, and they just find a different way to um, exercise it. But uh, things such as... Uh, uh, KOL podcast. So we're doing uh, um, more of that recently where this became important for us to uh, expand. We can't go into the hospitals in in some cases and do one-on-one in-person training or product in-services or um, any of these types of, uh, of CEU programs. So we've developed a lot of these training programs that we've invested in by doing podcasts and posting them and having virtual in-services and virtual training and virtual CEUs. And we've had, I mean, just uh, hundreds of thousands of hits on most of these activities that we've made available out of necessity really this last year because of uh, you know what we're limited in and what we've been forced to do with the
0: Yeah, well, it won't. Uh, really be a 2020 conversation if we don't talk about COVID, I guess. And and so, you know, I think one of the things that uh, has made it unique is that not only did this pandemic materialize compared to things like MERS and SARS and and H flu and some of the other stuff that, that seemed like it was going to be a pandemic, we, we are in a pandemic right now, and it's a respiratory pandemic. So what types of opportunity and or challenges has COVID-19 uh, pandemic brought to you besides the ability to do face-to-face education?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it wouldn't be 2020 unless we talked about COVID. Uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but um, in in my uh, 25 plus years, it's the most rapid changes that ever took place post-COVID. So uh, most of the time and all the, the things that you mentioned that were concerns in the past never had this kind of impact and never really brought a respiratory pandemic like this in our lifetime. The uh, the, the, the issues and challenges were not just limited to testing and PPE. The market changed so quickly in March um, that there was this massive rush to figure out not only how to treat these patients of this new disease, but the massive rushed on the business side. So we're things we're trying to figure out at Monaghan Medical, such as the rush to um, solve supply chain issues, uh, sourcing, uh, inventory management, panic buys, and how we resolve that and balance those. Demand shifts. So I don't need that, but I need this. These things all change virtually overnight that even a business as kind of fine-tuned and experienced as we were, caught us off guard and we weren't prepared. Now we had some advantages being a North American company with North American manufacturing. So we were in a much better position than a lot of companies uh, that I think were really caught off guard. But the changes and challenges that this whole thing brought were just endless. And a lot of it was not only on the, again, on the clinical side And trying to figure out the best way to treat all these patients and what tools they needed. But the business side was equally important because without the tools, um, no one was going to be able to have all the things they needed, whether it be ventilators or whatever the case, uh, PPE, to treat these patients in in the best way. You know, but the the changes have been on the business side just... uh, uh, you know, enormous. I mean, if just as an example, for years and years, we would have been at the AARC, we would have uh, had a fantastic time with all of our customers, and have people in the booth, and have parties with customers, and attend the the, the open forum clinical sessions, and you know, learn a lot in person. And that's been replaced by going, uh, to you know, to online virtual meetings and, and chat rooms. Of course, it's not the same. Um, it's what we have to deal with today. Uh, we'll get through it, and I think in the the long run, some of these refocusing on um, the supply chain and efficiencies and sourcing will be a benefit to a lot of people when we get through it, but not until then.
0: Yeah, no, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I've done probably a half a dozen of these in the last uh, several weeks, and supply chain is always one of the first things I hear about, that it, it was a challenge, but also an opportunity. I can't get uh, a toilet paper still, but I can get ventilators. I can get aerosol generating uh, devices. I can get everything except maybe PPE in a lot of hospitals. But you mentioned, uh, you know, panic buying. And, and so, did you see that? And how did you handle things like panic buying, trying to order and stock up on things for fear of not getting them?
1: Yeah, it was a big challenge for us, honestly. And um, what we did on the business side is we did, we calculated how much uh, business we got on an immediate basis due to the pandemic in March. Uh, and then we measured that against uh, what the traditional buying patterns were. And so some hospitals, um, what they did was uh, place and I call them panic buys, you know, maybe they were forward thinking buys, but they tried to place orders that were unreasonable amounts of business based on what their typical buying would be. Of course, it was going to be bigger. But also, you know, we had to look at it that is it better to give a hospital that ordered 10 cases on a traditional basis of, of XYZ product 100 cases, or was it better to give them 15 or 20 cases and allocate the rest toward and spread it out? And we we tried to be real judicious about how we allocated product because I think uh, some hospitals that were real quick on um, bringing in excess product uh, probably caught some people off guard and what it would do then is it would leave other areas uh, without supplies and so we, we were trying to be real careful and judicious about how we allocated um, and it was a big, uh, we, we went through a big process to do this in a proper way so we would be fair, um, responsive, but yet know that we were going to be limited on how fast we were going to be able to build up inventory. Yeah, you
0: know, it's interesting because obviously in, in, in Wuhan, China is, is, is where the virus originated. And, and and we heard a little bit about the Chinese experience. And then as it migrated into Europe, uh, especially into Italy, we we heard kind of a little bit different perspective. And kind of the feedback we got as it, it, it reached the East Coast of the United States was, you know, no non-invasive ventilation, no aerosol generating procedures. When these patients are sick enough to be in the hospital, intubate them, ventilate them and, and, and you know, try the best you can. And that wasn't necessarily the experience as we kind of got into it and and we saw it start to spread a little bit more in the U.S. that maybe these patients didn't need to be intubated. Maybe things like high flow would work. How did you guys work and address questions around aerosol generating procedures? Because we've talked to a handful of different uh, aerosol delivery uh, device companies and and everybody said we were being told we can't aerosolize, we can't give treatments, we can't do this. Did you fill a lot of questions like that and, and how did you address those concerns and issues?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We've talked about this a lot in the last six months. So a couple of things that we did was, again, going back to the respiratory relationships we have, um, a lot of those we would we would have developed through either focus groups, uh, e- either different learnings we would have had, uh, like at a focus group, for instance, in the past. But what we did is we surveyed um, about 200 hospital therapists that were directors or supervisors of hospitals and, and got opinions back about how they were Treating this, so some of it was uh, the initial uh, reaction to what was happening, what they were hearing, what the what the media was saying about how to treat this best, and then some of it was going to be long lasting. And what we were having a hard time figuring out initially was how much of this uh, this protocol changes around aerosol or direction was going to be long lasting, and how many of them are going to be temporary or were just kind of knee-jerk reactions that were gonna uh, we didn't have to really worry about long term that uh, you know that they would uh, they would come and go majority of the changes that we saw and this is you know kind of speaks to the quality of respiratory uh, directors I think out there, most of the changes that were put in place were going to be long lasting and they were going to be uh, they were going to be lasting even w- beyond COVID. And so there is an endless number of uh, protocols, shifts toward um, doing safer treatments. So one of the things, you know, with AeroEclipse, obviously, is very little aerosol is delivered. When, unless the patient is inhaling, so the amount of exhaled uh, dose to the environment is extremely minimal. Um, the other thing that a lot of customers have asked for is a filter to be put on the exhalation side. Even though we only produce, you know, it, roughly four percent of the aerosol that's uh, delivered goes uh, outside the uh, patient, they want a filter, and so we we are um, uh, working, you know, feverishly to develop uh, other options to filter out and get sourcing for filters because it's not a product. We, we generally had uh, in-house. Um, that's been a, a, a huge emphasis for us, is to create safer ways to delu- deliver aerosol, even in the case of like air eclipse that has very little that's exposed to the environment as opposed to a standard nebulizer. Um, we have seen a lot more shift toward MDIs and Aero chamber where there's virtually you know very little, if any, uh, risk at all uh, to the caregiver. But you know you think about the caregivers in these environments delivering a standard aerosol treatment that's delivering continuously you know and on an IE ratio that may be 1 to 3 or 1 to 4 there's a lot of exposure there and so uh, that i think is was the first thing that respiratory people identified was we can't do that if they're covid positive and we don't know it we're going to have a bunch of therapists infected.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's a great answer. And, and again, I think that's where sometimes what starts off as a challenge becomes an opportunity to take a step back and, and look at how we do things and rethink it a little bit. So I'm going to kind of wrap up our session here today, Bill, and, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about being a corporate partner and the value you find in your relationships with ARC I think you've alluded to some of it but but Monahan has been with us through thick and thin and 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 through at least a couple decades of this corporate partner program uh and has always been true and strong so maybe you can tell us a little bit about where the value is for you
1: Yeah no I, pre- I appreciate it um again appreciate the time again today too, Tim. A- as I mentioned we our company is built around respiratory care about improving respiratory care, our founder was an asthmatic. Many, many of our employees are respiratory therapists, and our mission is to help people breathe easier. So, you know, partnering with the ARC becoming a corporate partner only makes absolute sense for us to be aligned with the the, the biggest, uh, most well-known industry that therapists you know, believe in and go to and participate in. And I believe there's something around 47,000 therapists that belong to the AARC, which is, uh, you know, incredible. So it makes absolute sense for us to be a part of, you know, the biggest uh, trade industry for respiratory care care. You know, end of story. We are obviously thrilled that we were elected to the uh, Zenith Award again this year for the sixth consecutive year. So we're uh, we're thankful to the therapists that believe that we're doing a good job, and that's how we measure really a lot of our success is the feedback from the ARCs members, and uh, if they believe that we're doing a good job on service and quality, and truth and advertising, and and supporting them, that's super important to us because that's really our core mission. So that gives us some tremendous feedback as well from the, the ARC partnership. Uh, About how we're doing, but um, you know. And in closing, I I do want to add though um, that we have noticed respiratory care stepping up in this leadership role through this pandemic. I mean, it's an unprecedented respiratory pandemic we've never seen in our lifetime. Uh, uh, Incredible courage, I think, that has been shown across the country by respiratory. And uh, so, you know, if any respiratory therapists happen to listen to this podcast, and I hope they do, I want to thank you for your courage and. and congratulate you on being brave enough to go in there and and, uh, fight this head on.
0: Well, thank you, Bill. And and we value your your partnership and your longstanding commitment to the profession. Uh, We want to take this opportunity to thank you and your colleagues at Monahan for sharing a little bit about the company with us today uh, on our Corporate Partner Podcast.
1: Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening to the ARC Corporate Partners Podcast. Be sure to check our show notes page for links to our featured corporate partner, as well as other podcast episodes. Be the first to know when our next episode airs by subscribing to our podcast. Until the next time, my friends, keep on supporting the respiratory therapy profession and stay safe.